My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. I'm going to begin today a series uh, throughout the summer, eight weeks actually, on hope. And I want to talk about hope because I believe the Bible has a lot to say about hope. I believe that God in his word has given us all we need to know about how the hope that we have is greater than any fear that might be around in the world today. Greater than any anxiety you may experience, any apprehension you may be encountering, God's hope should be so strong in your life that it should be absolutely contagious. Now, when I think about the word contagious this last year plus, all I could think about was COVID, right? Because that's what's been going on. Everybody's been worried about the contagion, this idea that people could get sick and some get sicker than others. And it's so great to see some folks back that have gone through the fires of COVID. Uh, myself, I know a lot, I've studied a lot about it, that this as a, a, you know, a, a disease comes through and this virus comes through and you get it and some people have certain reactions, their fever, and then that's it. Other people go in the hospital, other people that are on ventilators, people have passed away. You know, we probably all know, I know, you know, people that have passed away because of it, um, predominantly affecting, you know, people with underlying conditions. And um, I was talking with the pastor in the middle of the, this last year and he said one of my elders got it and was dead just a couple days later and so it caused a lot of fear in our culture and there was a lot of fear on the media and the news and everywhere you would go and you know you couldn't go into Costco without a mask and now you can go into Costco without a mask and you can even get samples it's like it seems like life is returning to normal when Costco is giving out samples again right and that's exciting because we're moving beyond that but I know I studied it and I know I kind of walked the process. And I know what happens if you get it because I got it. I actually got it. And, and I don't know exactly where I got it. I think I got it from a pastor I was spending time with. and uh, Or maybe I gave it to him. I don't really know. But I know I started showing symptoms on a Saturday. I had left um, my office. I'd had a trustee meeting here with our Sunrise trustees. I started to feel sick, go home. I actually then a couple days later went in and get tested. And I've been tested a number of times because I travel a lot. I spend time with varying people. I've been in and out of the country. And and every time it was negative, 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 and it said positive. And I looked, I thought, there's no way. And it's like, yeah. And I just had a slight fever. It wasn't that bad. And so then I got called and then I sat on the phone for like an hour, contact tracing every moment of every of the last four days and telling them everybody I spent time with. I made those phone calls and I talked and I apologized and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't know, but 
that's when you're contagious and all that stuff. And people were fine, you know, but, but the fact is, is that after the 10 days, I was so excited because I would have passed through the fires of that, right? It wasn't bad for me personally. And I was thankful for that. And then on the 10th day, my wife started showing symptoms. Mary Beth, she started showing it. I said, babe, you just got to get tested. So she went in. She was positive. She had COVID. Oh, man. And so then, you know, then we tried to separate and everything. We tried to figure this out. And how do you sleep in the bed? And how do you work this out and masks and all that? And it was really, you know, kind of a challenge in our family. And then after 10 days, she passed through the fires. And then our roommate started showing symptoms. We have a young man that lives with us and starting his life. And, and he got tested and, and he had COVID. And then we went through and went through and he was kind of doing fine. It seemed like every person that I had passed it to, the, the, you know, the effects were lessened. And then at the end of 10 days, uh, my youngest son started showing symptoms. Are you sure it's not allergies? Are you sure? Yeah. Went in, get tested. It was inconclusive. So two days later, had to go back. He was positive. My oldest son had got it in college. And so the only one that didn't get COVID in our family was Noah, our middle son. We're like, I should have just coughed on everybody in the house. You know, it took 40 days. That's like our fall series, 40 days of COVID. That's what we're going to look at. No, um, it, 40 days in our house. And again, thankfully, and this is not everybody's circumstances, but for us, it was, it wasn't that bad. Um, it was more annoying than anything. It was frustrating because my son Noah could didn't go to school any of those 40 days. My kids had to stay out of school. In fact, Noah, because he didn't contract it, they made him stay out even later to school. None of that made sense to me, but we are done. I've been vaccinated. I'm like, let's move on to another contagion, okay? Um, Let's just move on to some sense of normal, right? Uh, Well, you know, we have been rightly concerned about this contagion called COVID because it has taken lives. It has caused some very crippling moments in people's lives. And um, we know that those on the front line, those first responders have been affected in great ways. But as I've been thinking about this, I wondered this question as I start off this series on hope. What has been more contagious in our lives? Our fear about COVID? Our fear of political parties, whether ours won or lost. Our fear of the educational system. Our fear of the economy and what might happen as a result of that. You know, our fear of the stock market, our fear of whatever we're going to do next, you know, or has the most contagious thing that has emanated from our life been hope, been a positive hope, no matter what the circumstances might be, that out of us, even though we're a part of this world, even though we're experiencing everything everybody else is, what really flowed out of us was this undying hope that God was going to take care of everything. Now, I know a lot of us, you know, would probably say, yeah, I had a lot of hope, but maybe we had a lot of fear too. We had a lot of anxiety. We had a lot of disagreements. We had a lot of frustration. We had a lot of fights, right? If you have a family, you had a lot of fights about this, right? And not everybody agreed on any of the issues that we were going through. But my hope in the next two months is that we will see what God says to you and to me about what should be the most contagious thing that you or I as followers of Jesus ever spread to the world. And that is hope. Because we have a hope. No matter what happens on this planet, no matter if Christianity becomes illegal, if they, everybody gets confiscated with their possessions and the churches are closed or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because that's not been un 
likely in the last 2,000 years of the church. For the first 300 years, if you followed Jesus Christ, if you had a hope in Jesus Christ for this world and the world to come, you would have been killed for that. And so we have it pretty nice. We really do. We have it pretty easy. Even today, around the world today, followers of Jesus Christ are persecuted because of their hope in Jesus Christ. Because what's most contagious to them is not fear. It's not their political system of their country, where they might be. It's not anything else but the hope of Jesus Christ emanating out from all of them. Now, every year I go through an exercise. I read the Bible every year. And so I start in the beginning, the book of Genesis, table of contents, end up in the book of maps at the end. And that's kind of my journey from Genesis to Revelation. And I try different translations. This year I'm reading the NIV 1984 version because that's one of the early Bibles that I had and I memorized a lot of verses on that. Um, and so I like to do that. I read through. Right now I'm in Psalms. Uh, and it's really cool. Just pass through Job. That was really cool to pass through Job and uh, to make it to Psalms. And I love it. For me, it's a joy to read through the Bible every year. And, and, and this is my 34th year. Um, actually, this coming January begins my 35th year. Thank you, Mom, for getting me that first Daily Walk Bible uh, back in the mid-80s and um, started reading that. And um, so I've been doing that every year. I love it. Um, sometimes I do a chronological study through the Bible, read through the Bible. But in January, we're going to actually do it together. Now, some of you have joined me in the last number of years, but we're going to do it all together and we're going to read it. And there'll be varying levels and layers depending on how much, you know, uh, time you have or how much you're going to be into it. Some of you will read through the whole Bible in one year and you've never done it before. Others, you've done it. Some, you know, we'll pick chapter by chapter. But on the weekends, on Sundays, we'll be preaching through the 52 weeks of the year 2022 by highlighting those stories and those themes and that theology that God teaches us as we go through the Bible, discovering who God is, who we are, what our enemy is all about and his tactic, you know, the whole idea of God's creation and what he did for us and then the fall into sin, which we only got creation for two chapters, okay, and then we blew it. And then this whole idea of redemption and then restoration, specifically the last two chapters of the Bible, the bookends of the Bible, right? And we're going to walk through that and I believe your life is going to be changed because mine has been changed. And every year when I read through the Bible, I discover things, I see things. Um, a couple years I've listened through the Bible, that really tweaks me because I hear things I've never read before and I'm like, what's that? Is that? No way that's in there. Sure enough, it is. And so different translations, you see things differently. Well, every year I discover things. Some things jump out at me. In fact, I've been your senior pastor since 1998 and most of what I've preached on any given weekend or a series has come about because somewhere the year prior or the couple years prior, I'm reading through the Bible and a verse just, just grips me and I write it down and I start to work on it. And that becomes a sermon series or that becomes a passage or I'm reading through a book of the Bible and I just, I'm just falling in love with what the writer is saying and what God's communicating. I'm like, we've got to preach through Galatians. And so we do it. So that's pretty much the last 20 plus years of Sunrise is out of the overflow of my daily Bible reading, we get to see what God says. I want you to be a part of that. I want you to experience it personally. And so in the, as the fall rolls around, we'll be talking to you more about that and kind of giving you some insights and 
and the Bibles to get and everything and hope to do it chronologically so we can walk through together because I think your life will be changed. Mine has changed. And one of the passages that jumped out at me this last fall as I was reading through Paul's letters to the churches that he had planted and quickly had left and then it was difficult for those believers was just two verses in his first letter to this Thessalonian uh, group of believers. And so what I want to just kind of tell you, the quick story is Paul's on his missionary journey and he's traveling from place to place. He's kind of being chased by the Jewish people that are so uh, strict on the law of Moses. They can't believe that Jesus uh, alone for salvation is, is possible. You, you, could, you could accept Jesus, but you have to go through Moses first. They're called the Judaizers. And so they're following and he walks into, into these little places and little towns, little villages, and he goes into the synagogue. He's a Jew. He starts speaking speaking and preaching and sharing about the hope in Jesus. And many people follow, some follow, maybe only a couple follow, but many people oppose it. And that was the case for the church at uh, Thessalonica. Paul pops in immediately as he's speaking in the synagogue. He starts sharing about the hope of Jesus Christ as Messiah. And then believers are established in a church. And then the enemy sweeps in and the crowd pushes him out and he goes to another place. And then a little bit later, he writes back while he's in Corinth, kind of worked his way down the Greece, Greek peninsula there. And he works his way to Corinth and he writes back to them about what he has heard since he left them. And the reports that had come down in that main travel. And so I just want to share with you two simple verses today that highlight hope, and I think you're going to discover something pretty cool. And so let's take a look at these. And this is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 to 3. Uh, And I was reading the NIV last year too, so that's where it stuck out to me. We always thank God for all of you. So this is kind of a common Paul thing. He's writing his letter and goes, I just want to thank God for you. Uh, And I want to say that too. I I get to travel around and get to talk to pastors in the Pacific Northwest and I get to brag on you, Sunrise Church. You're not perfect. In fact, some of you are far from perfect, okay? But but together we are the body of Christ and God has been so good to us. And even though we're not perfect and don't get everything right, And this last year has been a challenge for us. I know that I get to brag on you that I have the best church in the world. And I love my church. God's been so good. And so that's what Paul's doing. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. He's praying for them. And he only knew some of them a short time and doesn't know the rest of them. But he's heard reports. If someone were to write about you, what would they say? If they were to have taken the last year maybe lived in your house, worked beside you somewhere or snuck in on your Zoom call, probably more appropriate, like Zoom bombed you and just kind of listened to what was going on. What would they report about you? Paul says, this is the report. We continually remember before our God and Father. Now, three things. Your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you think back this last year, what would you remember about the year? Uh, The challenges that you faced? Absolutely. The difficulties that you encountered? With certainty, right? Or would you think about those amazing moments when God showed up and God did some great things? In your life, in your friendships, in your relationships, maybe in your small group, maybe even online, believe it or not, maybe you're online and you're thinking, God did these things, right? Would those be the things that you remember? Would those be the things your family, your friends talk about? 
Because that's what Paul is saying. I know it's been a rough year. I know it's been a challenging year, but I just got to tell you, I'm proud of you because as a church, we've weathered the storms and other churches I know have not done as well. There are churches that have struggled to the point of splitting. There are churches that are now on the verge of closing because they haven't been able to work their way through the difficulties of what COVID has brought to us and they have fought one another and they fought to the point where people are just giving up. And I know we've had our fights. I know we've had our struggles. We haven't all been on the same page. That's okay. We're not supposed to be on the same page. We're supposed to be on Jesus' page, okay? And so that's okay. But I just want to say I'm proud of you. I love you. I love my church. I started 2020 with this thought, hey, we're going to look at it from Acts 2020 and had a 2020 vision and I preached a 2020 vision message and then the Lord laughed um, because he says in Proverbs, you know, you could make your plans, but the Lord's plans succeed, right? And the whole last year just kind of fell apart. My first day officially as executive director of CB Northwest was the day that the state got shut down in March of last year. And so I had to deal with all of that and coach churches and walk through that. And then meanwhile, you know, we're here at Sunrise working through all that and everything. But I'll tell you what, the reality is, the reality is we've made it. Now, one of the things when I've walked through COVID and and the tests is that I had to download a My Health app. And the My Health app, I'd log in and it would give test reports and everything. So when I actually contracted COVID um, and and kind of worked through it, they they made some special notes. (laughs) And so uh, in my my log there, and, and you know, I was nice. And not those kind of notes about how, you know, what a jerk I am or whatever. Um, But just nice notes. And one of them said, you need these tests. I'd already had my tetanus booster. I'd already had some shot updates in the fall. I had my flu vaccine, all stuff. But now it's like, oh, I haven't had these tests. And I thought about it. I'm 56 years old. The last time I went into the doctor was when I was 50. Why? Because I'm a stupid man. I don't go to the doctor. I just take Advil, right? You know, or Tylenol. I, whatever, you know, it's like, okay, whatever, right? And so I decided it's probably time to go in for like my 56,000 mile checkup. You know what I mean? And so I went in and the doc looked at me. I haven't seen you in a long time. I had to shake hands and reintroduce ourselves. He goes, yeah, the last time you were here, you were here it was at 50,000 miles. And we rotated some things and checked some oils and all that stuff. And I said, yeah. He goes, it's time to do that again. You're getting older. I said, thank you very much. And um, so I have that scheduled next month. And, you know, I stepped on the scale and I had the blood pressure tested. I'm going to go through the whole battery of tests and check all the levels and all those things and some of you have done that and some of you will have to do that but the fact is spiritually speaking it's a good thing to do that every once in a while it's a good thing to have a passage of scripture or a verse or a thought or a story from the life of Jesus or something from the old testament that serves as like a systems check for you that you come back to again and again and again and ask yourself the question how am I doing as a follower of Jesus really Not how do I present myself to others, but what's going on inside? If they were to do some PSA levels and if they were to do some pressures and if they were to weigh me and if they were to check some skills and ear and eye and just kind of all that, what would God say about me? What would it reveal about me? Well, I think this is a good systems check passage for each of us today. I think this is a really good way. You might even say, for the rest of your days, this will be your systems check. I've had several passages of the Bible throughout my years as a follower of Jesus that I lean on again and again, year after year, just to reevaluate my life, to get away with God long enough to say, okay, God, search me. 
know me, test me, examine me. How am I doing really? I know, I know, you know, I know that I'm a pastor and I know that I'm supposed to look this way and I know I'm supposed to talk like this and I know I'm supposed to post this way on social media. I know all that, but how am I doing really? I would like this weekend as we begin this series on hope to be that for you, that you allow God to do just like a checkup on your life. And I want to focus on it really this way. You know, I want to do a heart check. What is, what is Paul saying? Well, I want to take a look at it this way. So I outlined it because I, I have that thought process. So this next slide, this is the same exact verse, the same exact words, just in an outline. Okay. So this is what the apostle Paul wrote about these Thessalonian believers. He said there, we thank God for mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before God and father, these three things. And so I want to look at those today in our time together ask a few questions, and pray for you. Number one, is your work produced by faith? Your work produced by faith. When you think about your life, when you think about how you grow as an individual, as you grow as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, I love seeing the babies around here because there's so much uh, life that goes on. Uh, my sons uh, are taller than me. They're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're just, you know, really growing up to be great young men. And you, know, you get to see those stages and ages through there. But there's a work that it takes. There's an effort that it takes. There's an energy that that it takes. And as a dad, my wife and I, as a mom and dad, you know, we want to be the main disciple makers of our children and we want to be able to present them as, as much as we could before the Lord is mature and strong. You know, God says that can only be done through faith. That whatever work you produce has to be done through faith. If it's not done through faith, it doesn't count. I mean, what does God tell us? He says here, walk by faith, right? Not by sight. I've seen a lot of faith Baptist churches. I've never seen a sight Baptist church. Even though I dare say many churches live that way. They look at statistics. They look at algorithms. They look at offerings. And they gauge everything by the things they see, not by the things they can't see. What would it take for you to walk by faith? What would it take for you to have a work and this is, he, Paul's talking about ministry in the church. He's talking about the gospel ministry. Paul is talking about everything they do as a follower of Jesus Christ, not about their commerce, okay? It's okay to think about it that way too, but he's talking about your spiritual life. And when I think about you, when I pray for you, when I remember you, I think and I remember and I hear these good stories, these reports, it's about your work, your ministry, your life, your gospeling adventure, this journey of sharing the life of Jesus, all because it comes by faith. You have a faith. What does the Bible talk about faith? Well, nobody in the Bible ever did anything without faith, right? Nobody ever did anything without significant faith. You know, if you sit there in the easy chair of Christianity, that's not faith, okay? That's complacency. But if you're out on the edge, if you're living on the ledge, if you're hanging out there, if you're doing bold things for God, that requires great faith. Paul even wrote about this, or maybe another writer wrote about this in Hebrews, where there's a whole chapter devoted to these men and women of faith. Remember this? It says, these men and women by faith, you know, Noah, by faith, built an ark. You know, it, you had to have faith to build an ark. Abraham, by faith, left Ur of the Chaldees. You had to have faith to just journey and waiting for God to speak where you're going next, right? 
Okay. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Enoch. All these people by faith. As you look at your life right now, what are you doing by faith? What are you doing that takes a significant amount of faith? Is there any work in your life, any ministry in your life that you will not be able to accomplish if Jesus doesn't show up, right? Is there anything you're doing in your life that's so audacious that you sit there and you think, this is going to crash and burn unless God shows up? I'm not talking about being foolish, okay? I'm not talking about going and playing the lottery, okay? I'm just saying that you've heard God say, do this, but it will never happen if God doesn't show up. That's faith, Remember, it is impossible to please God without faith. And if you don't have faith, you're not living the life God wants you to live. If you're not out there on the edge and the ledge of your journey spiritually, maybe discipling people, maybe sharing the gospel message, maybe taking a significant step in your own journey as a follower of Jesus by faith, then you wouldn't be able to answer, my work is produced by faith. You'd have to say, my work is based on what I can do. My work is based on my effort, my energy, and my Christian life, or my ministry in the church. is all based on when it's convenient for me, when it works out to my schedule. And that does not honor God. What honors God is a life lived solely by faith. When we walk by faith, not by sight. So I wrote down a couple questions for you. I want to read them. Can you look at this last year and say that your actions, more actions than not, were done by faith? If someone were to write, you know, another Hebrews 11, and they were to say about you, by faith, so-and-so did this, right? By faith, they did that. They put their trust and hope in God, even though it seemed like the world was falling apart. By faith, they went out anyway and shared God's love with people. Even though there was some fear in that. By faith, they took a step in their own life. Could you look at your life this last year and say, you know, truly, my work as a follower of Jesus in the church, outside the church, my work, my effort and energy and ministry was done by faith. What are you doing right now that requires faith? What are you doing right now that if you were to look at it on a pro and con sheet or on a ledger, on a spreadsheet or whatever, you'd yellow pad, whiteboard, whatever. If you were to spell it out in the sand, people would look at you and go, man, what are you smoking? Are you serious? Do you, you really, I don't know. That doesn't seem like, that's kind of crazy, right? What are you doing that can only come by faith in God right now? And if you're thinking, I don't even know what that means. Well, maybe you're living by sight. And not by faith. What are you doing that's so out of the ordinary for you, out of the element for you, out of your comfort zone for you, that it will only be accomplished if you pray by faith that God shows up? If not, you're not walking by faith, you're walking by sight. And it's so easy in the Christian life, so easy in this world to figure everything out and just to go into the routine and do it all. And you don't have to have any more faith, right? That does not please God. What pleases God is asking God to do a big, hairy, audacious thing in your life and then waiting for him to show up. And then you stand on the other side of that and you go, man, that was, that was crazy. But by faith, God showed up. 
I think about that at Sunrise Church. Man, I, again, I talk about this a lot to other churches. By faith, we decided to share the gospel weekend after weekend after weekend. And hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of people have responded to faith in Jesus because of that. By faith, we decided to go to two services, three services, four services. By faith, we decided to sell our property over on Rogan Street and move somewhere we didn't even know. By faith, we looked at this weird looking battleship of a building in 10 acres and said, okay, let's go for this. By faith, we raised a million dollars cash in six months. By faith, we started building it out step by step by step. By faith, every time we stood up and said, we've, we need more children's space. It's going to cost $250,000. By faith, we just did it. And you guys provided uh, other spaces, uh, Braun Hall. By faith, the last big thing we did was by faith, we didn't think it was going to be $1.4 million, but that's kind of how life rolls sometimes. By faith, $1.4 million to build out our last moment, the kitchen, the dining hall, so we could minister to our community. By faith, it all came in 100%. By faith, you will never do anything significant in your life for Jesus Christ by sight. You will only do it by faith. And so what are you going to do this year by faith and faith alone? Do you have the faith to take the next steps in your journey of discipleship? Do you have the faith to make personal changes? To, if you struggle with sins, in fact, everybody raise your hand right now. Online, raise your hand. Yes, you struggle with sin. Some of you don't just struggle with sin or you're just like a liar, which is your big sin right there. Okay. And I know you, and I, and I know, I know, yes, definitely, that's your sin, okay? All right, we all struggle, right, in many ways. We all get easily entangled, the writer of Hebrews says. By faith, will you come out and be honest about that and confess your sins to one another and get an accountability group? By faith, will you join a small group? Will you just connect with other believers on a journey of relationships? By faith, will you take a step and receive Jesus Christ? You will not do anything significant without faith in your life. Then he goes on to say your labor prompted by love. Now, I've never been in labor, which is obvious, but my wife's been in labor three times. And all I have to tell you, there's a reason why it's called labor, okay? Can I get an amen from all the moms, right? <clears throat> there, there's a reason why it's called labor. Labor just means toil and hardship. And you labor to have your kids. You labor to raise your kids. You labor to get your kids out of the house. It's all toil and hardship, right? With a bunch of joy in there mixed in, right? Okay. But it's called labor. And Paul said, your labor prompted by love. And the word love there is that agape love, that kind of self-sacrificing love that we think of uh, that God demonstrates to us for God so loved, agaped us. He self-sacrificed. He gave the most important thing to us, his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul says, when I think about your toil and hardship, again, they're facing persecution because of following Jesus. It's not a happy day in Thessalonica for the believers in Jesus who go to this church. It's painful. Okay. It's hard to work. It's hard to shop. It's hard to socialize because you're persecuted for believing in Jesus. And your effort, your energy, your toil, your hardship is only because you love people with God's kind of love. Your labor, your labor prompted by your love. 
It's one of the things I love about our church. My wife and I are reading through this book. Uh, it's our 25th anniversary. We took this on our um, anniversary trip. We're kind of working our way through it. Bob Lapine, Love Like You Mean It, The Heart of a Marriage That Honors God. Um, I'd encourage you to get this. It's great. It's 1 Corinthians 13. You know that love is patient, love is kind, all that stuff. It's, it's beautiful. He says, how's that working in your marriage right now? And so my wife and I are talking this through. 25 years. How is our love for one another? Go through different seasons and phases of life. And as you go through that, you can lose love. You can kind of wane a little bit in your love. We talk about this in relationship with our sons and our family. How is our love for one another? So think about this. When you look at the number one and number two commandments of God, they're all about love, right? Jesus said, if you want to sum up the whole Old Testament, all the law of Moses, it's, it's to have passion for God. To love him with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. To give everything over to God. To sacrifice your desires so that God shows up first place in your life. Is that, is that your life? Is that, is that labor, is that toil and hardship prompted because you're just overflowing with love for God, passion for God? On the other hand, he says the second commandment is like it. And that's have to compassion for others. And so now you love others as you love yourself. You love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? You don't just do it for you. You do it for your neighbor, right? Because you love them as much as you love yourself. That's agape love. That's a systems check for you and for me. You know, how is your passion for God? How's your compassion for others? Is your labor prompted by God's love? Or can I just be honest? Is your labor prompted by your own selfish desires? That's not agape love. That's a, that's a, a sinful kind of selfish love. And I'll just be honest, sometimes I love because of what I get in return, right? And that's not agape love. That's not God's self-sacrificing love. Is your labor, your toil and hardship, all your energy, again, Paul's talking about working in the church, ministering, making disciples, the gospel ministry. Is your labor, your toil and hardship because you're getting beat up by non-believers prompted by your incredible love for them that God's gonna show up? And you're going to sacrifice yourself just like God sacrificed his son for us. Is that your labor prompted by love? And then finally, endurance inspired by hope. Endurance inspired by hope. Um, I'm not a great athlete, as you can tell. um, But I have, you know, climbed a few mountains and I've run a few marathons. I'm not impressive by any means. I just am dumb enough to not give up, okay? In fact, let me tell you how dumb I am. Uh, many years ago, I was running the San Francisco Marathon with my buddy David. And, uh, and so we're running, I, you know, it's kind of my home area. I wanted to run across Golden Gate Bridge. And, um, and so I, I love that area. So we, we started off, I'm kind of slow, but I make it and, and I'm, I'm crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. I do the turnaround, come back. It's foggy, it's beautiful. It's San Francisco. And I make it up uh, the, the 10 miles, I'm, I'm just coming. Coming down the Presidio on the backside there where Lucas has all his uh, studios now and everything. And so I'm there. I'm at mile 10, just after mile 10. And I pull a hamstring. And I pull this hamstring. And I, I just don't know what to do. I just, I just fall down. I mean, my hamstring has been pulled, okay? And you need them to run, just in case you're not an anatomy person, okay? All right, you don't have to be a scientist to figure this out. You need your hamstrings to run. So I'm limping along, and I figure out I can walk and kind of jog at a certain pace that I don't fall over, okay? So I'm going to do that until I get to a medic tent. Well, I didn't bring my phone with me, 
Okay, I didn't think, I didn't, wasn't going to take any pictures, wasn't going to listen to any music. I, I didn't need to call my wife at all. My wife and family, they're waiting at the finish line right there in Barcadero. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And I go to the tent and they go, well, there's nothing we can do for you. Call your family. I'm like, I don't have a phone. They go, well, we don't have any either. So I just do the only stupid thing I know to do. Mr. Dumb Guy, I keep running. 26.2 miles, I finish with a torn hamstring. Okay, I'm just dumb enough to keep going. I just don't give up. Have you given up on anything this last year? Have you given up on anyone this last year? That's not endurance. Endurance is going to the end, even if it hurts, especially when it's difficult. The understanding here isn't about difficult people, but difficult circumstances. And the idea of endurance is to remain under patience. And it carries the idea of this, the quality of your character that doesn't allow you to surrender to your circumstances. That's endurance. The hope is not about your best life now. The hope is about Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that next Sunday at Father's Day. And I just want to close with a couple more questions for you. Ministry as a follower of Jesus has its good seasons And it's bad seasons. I'll just be completely honest with you. There are times it gets really hard to do ministry. Again, that's what Paul's writing about. And to people who are in ministry, this small church that's just slugging it out some days to exist, to fund itself, and to share the gospel with people that are really not happy about that. They had endurance because it was all inspired by their hope in the Lord Jesus. Where are you tempted to give up? Or with whom? Is there a person you've given up on this last year? Have you taken your eyes off of Jesus and put them onto something else? Something a little more tangible here? As followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, I'll call us, we claim, we claim, we claim to have faith in Jesus. But if it's not motivated by faith and work combined, it might just be for the wrong reasons. Because there are a lot of Christians that don't live by faith. Christians, as followers of Jesus, we claim to love him. But when serving in his kingdom gets difficult, we just kind of tap out. As Christians, we claim to hope in Jesus as the one who controls all of our lives, but when there's disappointments and disagreements, frustrations, our endurance dies. Imagine, imagine what would happen from here on out the rest of this year if your faith propelled you to do a great work for Jesus. Remember Nehemiah on the wall? He's building the wall with his team and there's a lot of opposition and people are trying to get him off the wall. And he says, I'm not going to get off this ladder. I'm going to carry a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. And I'm going to do the work and I'm doing too good of a work to come down. Is that what you will do in the rest of the year? Will you have a work that's produced by faith that if God doesn't show up, it's all going to fall apart? Imagine what would change in your job if your labor, maybe this is literally true, your labor, your toil and hardship was prompted by love, God's love for the team that you work with, for the group of people you work with. 
And imagine endurance. If you kept going in spite of the most difficult situations, the most difficult people around you, because it was all inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus in your life. I think that if Sunrise could ever be known as anything through COVID, if beyond this for years to come, if we could be known, yes, we're known for serving the least, the last, and the lost, we're known for all that, that's great. But if we would be known for what Paul writes about a number of times, faith, hope, and love. If we could be known for that, it'd be because you as a person are known for that. And if you're lacking one of those, just be honest about it. Talk to someone about it. Come up. We're going to have prayer afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. If you need help walking that journey, let us know. Email us at pastors at isunrise.com. We would love to help you excel in all three of these because that is when Jesus will show up in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for him. Our hope is in Jesus. He is the one that's the rock-solid foundation for all of this life. We do not hope in this world, but in the world to come. And so in this world, in this season, may we work hard and express our faith and our hope and our love because all of our energies are about what you want to do in and through us. And may we take great steps of faith this year. For some of us, it might be to say yes to you and receive you as Lord and Savior. May we do that. May we take that leap of faith as a walk, not into the darkness, but into the light and receive your forgiveness and your family. We pray in your name. Amen.